When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Fearscape Media Network, exploring the unknown, one podcast at a time. Hi, listeners. Listen to the Books and Boost podcast with me, host Anna Temperley, and Marlena Lear as we crack open a bottle or two or three and dive into some interesting books, airing the first Wednesday of every month. Bye. Hello, dear friends. I'm your head mister, Lord Stephen Gearhart. And I am your co-mister, the man with no name, Lance Wayne. And together we are the misters, the misters of, of the... the... Uh, let's try it again. The misters, the misters of the... Of the... Lance! The misters of the dark! Don't shut up! Ugh, whatever. Join us wherever you stream your favorite podcasts or go to mistersofthedark.com where we'll be discussing all things horror from films and books to everything in betweensies. We also have the occasional victim. <laughs> I mean, guest. <laughs> Only on the Fearscape Mania Network. <laughs> Shut up, Lance! Oh, I always get the last laugh. <laughs> there are phenomena that exist all around us. Kids play above something and above something unknown flies over and disappears. People driving at night seeing huge creatures cross the road. People waking up to find their cabinet door ripped open in their kitchen. Strange things happen every day around the world and seemingly at the same time and area. But are these occurrences but are connected? These occurrences connected? This, this is, is what we are here to explore and are trying to understand. Join us on our journey. Join to us on our journey to uncover what we call the, the convergence enigma. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another awesome episode of the convergence enigma here with josh and stefan i am stefan your host for the evening and i'm joined as always by the professional man himself mr josh rutledge what up dog i'm doing fantastic uh great to be professional and not gullible like i was last week <laughs> hey a lot of changes man <laughs> a lot of changes uh we got a really cool episode tonight josh uh we have no guests it's been a hot minute um so tonight we're actually going to get into 
one of our convergence enigmas yep. that we've been researching and studying. And it's one we've talked about a number of times, but we're going to actually share uh, the research and info that we found on this one. We're going to be talking about uh, the convergence enigma around the Enfield haunting. So I'm really excited about that. If you guys want to go back and you're interested in really what the infield haunting is, you can go back to our episode, uh, I believe, of Fearscape. Yep. Uh, that was the infield haunting. Go back. I, I couldn't tell you which episode number it is, but <laughs> go back, listen to that first, or just watch The Conjuring 2, um, and then come back. We'll be here waiting for you. Hi, welcome oh, back. Welcome back, yeah. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that. Hope um. you enjoyed that. All of our British listeners uh, getting a little bit of a topic based in England there. So, but yeah, we're going to be talking about some convergences that took place in England uh, and around those regions that was more than just the Enfield haunting. So Josh, I'm going to hand the reins over to you and get things cracking. What, what else happened, man? Yeah. So, um, you know, I want to kind of set up the stage for what I did um, and kind of the starting the research of this and looking into things. And so, um, you know, what what would you what what period of time would you say constitutes uh, a, a convergence? convergence? I would say a year. Okay, so what I did is I went back to so the the or I would say if the main part of the convergence lasted three years, I would say three years, right? Yeah. So because we always we tend to find one major event right. and work around that event. So yeah. So um, but a year around a single. So, like, what I looked at it as is uh, the Enfield haunting happened in August of 1977. Mm-hmm. So I went back and looked at stuff that started happening in January, uh, pulling it forward into August and then past August and into you know November and December. Um, uh, I think that, you know, in, in other stuff, like you said, if, if it extends well beyond, uh, you know, three years out or whatever, you know, worth looking into some detail. But I actually found some really interesting interesting things yeah i mean Um, we look at anything we look at cryptid sightings we look at ufo sightings other hauntings um occult works all kinds of things the whole premise here right is that somehow all of these things are related right they're Mm -hmm. all converging in a certain area so i mean what what did what did uh dan Aykroyd say in ghostbusters i i or or, i was witness to a mass fungus um migration or something (laughs) yeah yeah Uh, i mean who knows right so um yeah so anyways, uh, starting out then in January 1977, mm-hmm. uh, again, for everybody who's listening, this is in the England, uh, uh, we'll call it the UK, UK, because yeah. uh, it includes Wales and includes England, um, some stuff in Ireland. I didn't, I didn't find a whole lot in the Scottish Isles, and so I didn't really go that far. I, I kind of kept it into that. Meeting. I mean, you just look at any Nessie sighting, I'm sure. Yeah, true. <laughs> true. Um, so anyway, so starting in January, January 14th, 1977 is the earliest of that year that I could find. Um, and this is the Peterson farmhouse, which is on a coast, uh, kind of like, um, as it, as it relates to the Island, it's kind of like on a, a Northern part of the coast, mm-hmm. kind of North of the Wales area. Um, and the husband was awakened at l- late at night, um, went out. Uh, to the coastline, like his, you know, his 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 house sits on a cliff, right? Yeah. He looks down uh, the cliff and sees Navy and Marines on the coast building a ramp into the water. Into the, into water. the water, not out of the water, yep. but into the water. Yep. Okay. Now, 
what got his attention to go look at it is he sees this bright light hanging off of the cliff. <laughs> now, I originally excluded this from my findings because if there are Navy and Marines working on the beach line below, most likely that bright light was a flare. Right. So they could see at night while they're working. Uh, and it is the 70s. It's very possible they were just doing standard maneuvers, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, there's there's a lot of talk around um, potentially there being some sort of, you know, undersea base kind of off the coast of England. Yeah. Um, for a lot of craft and things. So it would be interesting. So, you know, yeah. Yeah, very, very interesting. So, um, and we're going to jump forward about three weeks to February 4th. So, wait, I'm sorry, but I want to go. What do you think they were building a ramp into the ocean for? You think just for an underwater base or possibly like some sort of submersible? I mean, you know, if we go under the the assumption that they might have been just doing kind of normal standard military procedures or was a sweet sweet water slide i mean it could have been <laughs> um you know but they, they had to build something to to launch a boat mm-hmm. to do you know um to you know be able to accept a dinghy uh <laughs> that's what she said <laughs> i included that for your benefit you're welcome um but you know i mean that's of course normal military procedures if you look at it from you know the government knows and is involved and um, you know, who knows? I mean, it could have been that they were getting ready to launch a boat full of female sacrifices. Who knows? I know. Makes me wonder how far that area is from Rendlesham. It'd be interesting to look It's on up. the other side. Oh, other side of the continent? Yep. Or well, not continent, country. Continent. <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. They give you one pass. So you good? We're going to move on for. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. So February 4th, it's about three weeks later. At uh, Broadhaven School, uh, which is also in Wales, it's interesting too that, uh, and I'll, I'll highlight this: a lot of the things that I found uh, kind of go back to Wales. You know, I'll, I'll draw some correlation here in a little bit. So, um, I mean, that's that's all King Arthur stuff, man. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Um, so, a UFO landing. Yeah. So, the one thing I was well aware way ahead of time was the UFO flap that took place during this year. Well, so. so this is a landing at a school where 14 students saw a craft land and a humanoid figure get out. Where's this documentary, Ariel, people? Yeah, really. I mean, this is this is by far of the same magnitude as yeah. the one that, you know, the Ariel film covers. Um, so, yeah, it, it's also on the same day in Bassford, Staffordshire, England. An automobile club patrolman sighted a luminous orange object at some distance from his car. His two-way radio had heavy static while the object was in view. There was simultaneously radio interference at the Stafford Police Headquarters. Wow. So this is uh, in, in far as time sequence, because this happened at 2.25 in the morning in the school state, you know, that was during school. It's actually these are reversed a little bit, but yeah, so... Uh, in, in, in relation to where this is on a map, so um, they're almost in line with each other on a map. And so, of course, England, uh, uh, Staffordshire being kind of over in this area. And I'll, I'll try to like put a, put a map up when I do this for the YouTube folks. Uh, I'll do a Google Earth or something. But yeah, I mean, it's they're pretty much in line with each other on a map. So he saw it fly over at 225 in the morning and then later that day. Uh, 14 students saw the crash. Man, I would love to find an actual like microfish news story on the landing to see 
Well, that there are there are news. Like I when in my research, I found newspaper articles where they did actually do a story about the landing and what the students saw, and they drew pictures of what oh. they saw. And yeah, I mean it's it's a it's an amazing case for what I found. I mean it's worth it's worth a dive into on its own. Yeah, it absolutely sounds that way. So um, fast forwarding three days. February 7th, 1977. February is a hot month, man. Yep. Uh, Newcastle. Uh, it's actually called Newcastle under lime. It's under, it's under limestone. Yep. Man. Uh, England, 1230 PM school students from a school saw a gray flattened cigar shaped object moving slowly through the sky surrounded by a vapor or mist. It changed color to orange, then to green and then flew off toward the east to southeast. The si- Swamp gas, man. <laughs> the sighting lasted 10 minutes. Dang. 10 minutes is a long time in UFO sightings. Yep. I um, mean, that's, yeah, that's more than enough time to really get a good picture mm-hmm. of what you're seeing, right? Um, so, yeah, February 17th, so 10 days later, in P- uh, Pembrokeshire, Wales. During the day, a teacher and two canteen workers at Broadhaven School. So this is the second event at the school. So this is the same school? Same school. Second event at the school. Uh, watched a silvery yellow cigar-shaped object glide over a field emitting a loud humming sound. Before it left the area, a human-like figure was seen briefly to step out of the object and then go back inside. It was injured cold, man. I mean, you know, what is this? This is... Uh, 11 years to the date. I, oh, that's that's funny. I imagine the humming sounded a little something like this. Because all musicals take place in England. All good ones. <laughs> I'm going to get uh, slapped for not knowing the reference. <laughs> no, you're not. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, uh, March 7th now. We're moving on to March 1977. Winchester, Hampshire, England, uh, 9 p.m. Mrs. Jane Bowles, uh, any relation? I don't know. Um, <laughs> was driving with a friend, Miss Ann Strickland, along a country road when their car stopped and a brilliant glow, like a white sun, lit up the area around them. An oval object was observed that was luminous and making a humming sound. A man emerged from the UFO, one similar in appearance to the one involved in Mrs. Bowles' earlier close encounter, which I could not find. I could not find uh, anything related to that. Uh, He was human-like and long hair, a beard, and pink eyes. He approached, holding out his hands, and touched Mrs. Bowles. His hands were warm to the touch, like he humans. The man looked... So injured warm. Yeah, injured... <laughs> You're welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. I'm here all night. Uh, injured hot would be fine at Chippendales. <laughs> <laughs> Gross. He just smiles the whole time. <laughs> he just stands there and smiles. Yeah, just stands there and smiles. But, it, but he's still gyrating. He doesn't take his coveralls off. He no. just leaves it. He doesn't need to. Anyways, um, and then the man looked at Mrs. Strickland and then spoke in an unknown language. He gave something to Mrs. Bowles, which she would not divulge. Ugh. And then he returned to the UFO, which ascended into the sky with a hum and a high-pitched noise. 
The women return mm-hmm, to Winchester. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like if, if somebody, if, if uh, 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 Michael Schrat gets somebody to do animations for this, for this one, he needs to get you to do. Yeah, I can do all the music <laughs> background. You're good. Um, the women return to Winchester and Mrs. Bowles observed that her hands were red and swollen. Uh, she had to remove her wedding ring, and she found the skin underneath raw. Oh, I wonder if that was from the gift that she was given, like if it was well, I mean, radioactive. I mean, he, t- he touched her hands. So, oh, that too, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, who knows? I mean, Like, she just gave her some cobalt uranium, you know? Like, right. Here you go. Right. Here's some uranium. I mean, we were interested in a lot in 1977. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, uh, let's see where... Uh, so. Again, March 9th, so two days later, in Nelson, North Lincolnshire, UK, at 3.10 a.m., a cigar-shaped metallic object appeared in the sky, so the two witnesses stopped their car for a better look. The UFO had lights at either end and were changing color, and the entire object was surrounded by a gray mist. Again, with the gray mist. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, reminds me of the gray mist that's often described from early accounts at Skinwalker Ranch. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the witnesses heard a sound they described as being like a tide coming in and out. Do you want to mimic that for me? Tide. Tide. <laughs> tide, no. There you go. <laughs> it's like the 1940s here, folks. <laughs> yeah, I am the uh, Foley artist. Yeah. <laughs> Can you go ahead and send some money to buy me a coffee so we can afford a real sound machine? Yes, please, God. <laughs> um, so anyways, the uh, object came quite close. Their car's engine stopped and the headlights dimmed. After five minutes, the object flew off and the car could be restarted. Both of the witnesses came down with headaches shortly after the sighting. Do you know what really strikes me as really interesting around all these early sightings is the automobiles have engine failure. Well, and you know that Heineck, that's what he was obsessed with. Yeah. Like the automobiles dying, that was like the number one thing that kind of turned him into a believer from a skeptic to a believer. Yeah. And he was massively obsessed with figuring out why cars would stall. Well, and so for me, I have a like new sightings. Because there are there are new sightings that still happen yeah. daily. But yeah, you don't hear about the you car. Hear, and, and, mm-hmm. we, and our cars are much more electrical now. Oh, far more. So like that takes out EMP out of right. the picture. Right. You know, unless it's a different set of aliens. True. You know, but yeah, I, I, I but totally. The, but you know, the technology that would stop a internal combustion engine from firing. I mean, it's spark, air, and fuel. Yeah. Teslas would have been screwed back then. Right. You can't say that name. We're going to get sued. <laughs> Sorry. Teslas would have been boned back then. <laughs> <laughs> now Sue can't come after us. Nope. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, let's see. March 13th, 1977 in Pembrokeshire, Wales, 9 p.m. All these places hobbits live. I'm just saying. They probably do. And there's at least one troll market entrance. Oh, oh for sure. Uh, 9 p.m., uh, Stephen Taylor, age 17. I thought uh, it was almost Stephen Tyler from Aerosmith for a second there. No, you know, Stephen Taylor probably still around and kicking. You may want to track him down for me. And Yeah. Hey, John. Yeah. <laughs> in the UK, can you track down this guy? I'm sure you know him. Everybody knows yeah, him. everybody knows everybody in the UK. <laughs> um, was walking home from a visit 
to his girlfriend's house when he saw an orange, luminous, pear-shaped UFO in the sky. Uh, pear-shaped also reminds me of the acorn. The Oh, yeah. Um, where, where is that at? It's in West Virginia, isn't it? They just had a huge... No, it's, uh, it's like Pennsylvania or something. But. Yeah, they just had a huge conference. Yeah. Oh, uh, my God. We we uh, should know this. I apologize for our knowledge yeah. base. We we should know this. I've, I know I've seen the... The ca- uh, cat starts with a K. <laughs> it's not Kendrick. The cat... It's not Kentucky. No. Let's see here. Uh, Acorn. Yep. I'm sorry, folks. We have to look this up. <laughs> it's going to bug us if we don't. It's, it's got a K in there. It's, it's Kecksburg, Pennsylvania. Kecksburg. I knew it was a Pennsylvania. I knew it was a K. I told you. We were like, <laughs> 30, like 35% there. So. Yeah. Anyways. Um, so the um, uh, pear-like UFO. He uh, walked to a friend's house to tell him, but he was not believed. I mean, you know, as such. Yeah. About a half mile further on, he noticed that he could not see the lights of farmhouses to his right. Looking closer, he saw that they were obscured by a large dome shaped object, dark in appearance, about 30 to 40 feet in diameter and 40 feet high, that was resting in the adjacent field. Uh, Around its underside, there was a dim glow of light. As he watched, he heard footsteps. And looking around only a few yards away was a figure. And this is in quotes, like a skinny human six foot tall. Slender man. Uh, uh, The being looked like an old man with high cheekbones and had large round eyes resembling those of a fish. That's Slender Man, dude. It's the OG Slender Man before Reddit. Uh, it said over its mouth was a box-like device with a tube hmm. uh, leading over the shoulder. It was wearing a one-piece suit that looked semi-transparent. Taylor took a swing at the figure. <laughs> Good man. Man, I want to talk to him. <laughs> and ran for home. On arrival, he found his dog acted strangely towards him. Get him and the Stardust Ranch guy to yeah. talk about <laughs> Said his dog was snarling and barking and had to be put outdoors. The dog behaved normally the next day. Um, That's so that he, man. Yeah, I mean that in a, in a lot of ways sounds like a classic tall gray yeah, or a tall white. Tall white. Yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, well, there was something the the message around the box like a breathing apparatus. Mm-hmm. Like that's something else that I've heard common in some of those earlier day, you know, kind of encounters. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> That's, I mean, this is 1977. Yeah. Maybe that's where he got it. He had, he had an encounter of his own. He's <laughs> like, I got to work that in. I got to work in Star Wars. <laughs> um, April 7th, 1977, Milford Haven, Pembrokeshire, Wales. Uh, Dr. S- uh, sorry, Mr. Cyril John, age 64, a former local political leader, was up early for an early start to London when he noticed a light shining in his bedroom window. Looking out, he observed two objects. The first was a silvery gray egg-shaped object with a bright orange-red light on top of it. It was about four feet across and was rocking gently in the air about 60 meters away. The second was a seven- to eight-foot-tall humanoid figure who floated in the air with arms out and legs bent back like a free-fall parachutist. Man, that's Slender Man-Mothman hybrid. (laughs) 
Uh, there was only about 35 feet between the man and the observer. That's really that's, that's really close. Yeah, that's creepy, too. Uh, no features could be seen on the figure's face, and it wore a uniformly silver-gray boiler suit. It remained motionless in the air for more than 25 minutes. Jeez, man, Slender Moth is creepy, dude. <laughs> you know what? If I had a time machine, I would just go back to all these places. I would, and, too. And witness just all these. witness. Yeah. Anyways, I wouldn't interfere. I would just like mm-hmm. sit in a car. Or- I mean, everybody else would go back and kill Hitler, <laughs> but you would go. <laughs> well, butterfly effect. Yeah. You, know, you can't change anything. I just want to sit in this guy's head. No, see, that's why you don't it. you don't go back in time. You just use the uh, the Vatican's chronovision or whatever it was. That way you're not oh, interfering you're not in time. There. You can just watch it. Although to, to be able to visualize time, some aspect of you has to be there. That's true. Anyways, we're getting deep. Um, that's also what she said. <laughs> uh, then both the bean and the uh, avoid object began to slowly move off, gradually disappearing from view in the distance. Um, April 19th. So we're still in April. The infield haunting happened in August. We in have August. a to go. Yep. Uh, Little Haven, Pembrokeshire, Wales. Uh, again in Pembrokeshire. The radio of hotel owner Rosa Grimville suddenly went dead. Give me a radio going dead sound. There you go. Moments later, he heard a loud humming noise outside. <laughs> and looking out, she was dazzled <laughs> by a huge moon lighting up the area, moving about like a seesaw. <laughs> it descended and landed in a field 100 yards behind the hotel. It was round with flames coming off the top of the dome. There was a light on it like a pulsating star. One thing I like so far is the diversity of these crafts. Yeah. Like, you know, everybody's always like, oh, people just saw flying saucers back in the day. But like, if you really go back and look, really weren't a lot of disc-shaped yeah. sightings. They were a lot of oddly shaped sightings. Cigar-shaped, egg-shaped, acorn-shaped, you know, stuff like that. I mean, man. I think it's interesting that, like, the Roswell crash is always depicted as being disc shape but mm-hmm. nobody really ever saw the craft so mm-hmm. i mean it could have been it could have been an acorn shaped it yeah could have been egg shaped who knows so who knows could have been broccoli shaped could have been you know poached or egg i don't know anyways yep. so um da, da, da. there uh two creatures eight or nine feet tall emerged from the dome through the f- they're getting through- taller yeah. you notice that through the flames i i, I also wonder if um if you're shorter, do you exaggerate? Do you over-exaggerate? Do you think the people are taller? taller than what yeah. they are? I don't know. I'm 6'5", so I, yeah. I couldn't tell you. But, I mean, I exaggerate shortness. Like from, I definitely do. From, like, 100... Like, I wonder if, like, if you and I stood next to each other 100 yards away and asked 10 people to to write down how tall they think we were, I wonder what the, wonder what the mm. result would be. That's a... It's an experiment that needs to happen. Yeah. Uh, so buy us a coffee so we can go to England yeah. and uh, measure this ex- people. This experiment has to be done in England. <laughs> Cannot be done anywhere, anywhere else. else. And I just want to measure people. That's it. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure uh, Discovery would pay for that. Yes. <laughs> uh, so uh, uh, through the flame, they emerged through the flames. They wore cream and silvery colored jumpsuits. Uh, she could see no facial features nor any hair on these creatures, even though she tried to discern what they looked like through a pair of binoculars. Mm. Also, a lot of people in this time had binoculars. Yeah. Okay. 
I don't have any binoculars. Well, because you don't need them now. You got to zoom okay. on your phone. <laughs> um, People are ornithologists, man. Like you needed. I, I mean, I grew up. We had a pair of binoculars in the house. Well, my dad had a pair. We never got to use them. So. Oh, well, your dad had fancy ones. We just had old rigs <laughs> that you would, you know, if you're out on a boat or yeah. something like that. Um, uh, see, they, they looked as though they had hands, but she not saw no fingers. Ugh, just nubs. They had mittens on. Just <laughs> they were kittens and mittens. Kittens and mittens. Um, I thought their feet were webbed. Um, the figures walked around near the object for about 15 minutes. Miss Grimville wanted to scream, but she had lost her voice. Mm. Uh, she went in search uh, of another witness, and when they returned, the UFO and humanoid figures had gone. Mm. Burn marks were found on the ground at the site the next day. All right. April 20th, 1977, in Herbrenston, Pembrokeshire, Wales. Uh, Mark Marston age 11, so he's probably still around kicking, mm -hmm. was looking for bird's nest. See? Ornithologist. <laughs> in a hedge when a red glow appeared in the sky 50 yards away. A few moments later, a figure appeared and drifted through a closed gate at the other end of the field. Now, that's something that we don't hear very often, yeah. but, I mean, heck, last episode we were talking to Earl Gray Anderson, and he was talking about that same thing. Yeah. You know, the figures phasing through. Right. Well, and, and phasing through is like right through through things. But like this is almost like a like a hover, like he lifted himself off off the ground and just kind of hovered. It reminds me what I'm thinking of in mind is in the movie Dark City, mm -hmm. where dude just kinda like just lifts up and yeah. just like you know, goes up the stairs or whatever. So anyways, if you haven't seen Dark City, watch it. I think this yeah, is like a good movie. Second reference to it. It is. Anyway. <laughs> um so uh, 50 yards away, a few months later, the figure appeared dressed in a silver suit like a diver with a large helmet and a square featureless face. Mm. It approached Mark rapidly, who turned and fled for home screaming. Good man. <laughs> Good man. Like, I, I, you know, Macaulay Culkin could have played him in, in a <laughs> yeah. made for TV remake. Um so uh, May 3rd, 1977. We're into May now. All right. My birthday month. Uh, Hainault Forest, Essex, 3.55 a.m. Police took an emergency telephone call. The caller said that some strange object was over the forest near the small lake. Two policemen were directed to the scene. Arriving, they proceeded along the lake road and noticed a large, bright red light across on the eastern shore. They stopped, exited their vehicle, and observed a bell tent-shaped thing about 300 yards distance. This object continuously pulsated from dull to very bright red for the next two to three minutes. The UFO seemed to be hovering silently. Then, as they watched apprehensively, the object appeared to dissolve on the spot. <laughs> As the thing was no longer visible, the officers decided somewhat reluctant to go across the lake and investigate the spot. As they were doing this, one of them looked up and briefly saw a shape of a thin, large, white crescent hanging in the sky. This apparition also dissolved on the spot. Reaching the location of Ground Zero, as best they could tell, they found nothing at all except a strong smell of burning. Hmm. 
No cause could be determined. A report was immediately made to the local UFO investigator, the Essex Hotline, and the investigator, Barry King, came out the next day. Dang, they moved quick. I mean, they, you know, the England is a little more efficient. Than yeah, I was like, I feel like MUFON still takes like a month. To- <laughs> <laughs> now, you know, they don't have a lot of field investigators. Yeah, I know. They get a lot of reportings. So, uh, In daylight, one large brush uh, bush was found to have damage flattened in the center and slightly burned. Um, a gorse bush, which don't know what that is, must be local, appeared to have a had a very heavy weight set to its top center. The result of which was uh, to break almost all the limbs, including snapping off the central branch. Mm. Uh, the pattern of breakage was to displace the branches into an outwardly radiating splay. No radiation nor magnetic anomalies were found. I like that one. It's got a lot of research done on it. That's, yeah. that's really good. Um, somehow I got this mixed up. So this is I'm going back in time real quick. So April 23rd. 1977, uh, Ripperstown Farm, Farm. Um, if you remember, uh, is that, that's Peterson, never mind. Uh, so the Ripperston Farm, a seven foot tall silver clad entity was seen by Billy and Susan Combs from the window of their farm. The family were plagued by other UFO related experiences around this time. Man, if they weren't so skinny, I'd be like, is Sasquatch wearing a uniform? But Sasquatch are thick. T-H-I-C-C. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so May 17th, uh, Lothian, Scotland. There we go. I did pull it in Scotland. Uh, 9 p.m. in Trenant and seven surrounding towns in Lothian. A domed disc-shaped object and other objects were seen in the skies on a clear evening. One of the witnesses was a 13-year-old boy named McKenzie. The UFOs generally flew off to the east. The sightings lasted at least 20 minutes. Hmm. Uh, skipping ahead now to June, June 6th, Yorkshire, UK. Object over vehicles, felt heat, mass displacement. Uh, June 21st, somewhere between Salford and Barry, England. Uh, on this day, a 10 meter long silver cigar shaped object followed two people riding on a motorcycle between Salford and Barry. It replicated all of their turns and was completely silent. It finally flew off behind a house. Hmm. Um, August 3rd, 1977. So now we're getting close. We're getting close. Um, August 3rd. So Thaxed, Essex. A 24-year-old man named Stevens was driving when his car lost power from 50 miles per hour to 35 miles per hour despite applying full throttle. Two orange-red oval lights were seen hovering nearby at the time of distance of about 300 to 400 yards. Um, so in August, we don't know a specific what date in August, but in August 1977, the info haunting poltergeist begins. Yeah, it begins. It, it, it's not a one-day thing. No. So. Um, although I think the bulk of the activity was over like maybe a couple months after it, it started, yeah. and then it just kind of fizzled out after that. Um. So August 9th, 1977, Stonebridge Avenue in Kingston. Uh, England officer, uh, Officer Swift was on a patrol near when he noticed what looked like a thick cloud or fog that was moving across a nearby field. Thinking it might be smoke from a fire, he went to investigate and saw there were saw through the mist 
three smallest figures dancing about in a circle. Upon getting closer, he saw that there were two women wearing bonnets and shawls in white-colored dresses and a man in a sleeveless jerkin and tight-fitting trousers. The clothes looked very old-fashioned, mm. and it was quite bizarre scene as they threw their hands up and danced about. Then after a few moments, they simply disappeared right in front of us. <laughs> oh, man. Because immediate, you're like, is this like some old-school pagan activity? Right. You know, the circle is open. You know, they're, they're jamming, dude. Yeah. And then but, they gone. Or is this, you know... Something well, else. So I, I found this when looking for uh, fairy encounters. This was listed underneath fairies or pixies. Mm, I was, I was going to say, I wonder, you know, we always think fairies are these tiny little creatures, yeah. but, you know, a lot of lore does not suggest that they were always really tiny. Yeah. So. Uh, August 15th, 1977, the Ohio State University Radio Observatory. Uh, working on the SETI project, which is Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence, receives a strong narrowband radio signal from deep space. The event is named the WOW signal (laughs) uh, for a notation made by researcher Jerry Emmon. Jerry, Uh, Jerry, did you hear that? Listen. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) I heard it, man. I heard it. Uh, so, yeah, the, the wow signal was a strong narrowband radio signal detected on August 15, 1977. Um, let's see. The signal appeared to come from the direction of the constellation Sagittarius and bore the expected hallmarks of extraterrestrial origin. Hmm. Um, he, he was so impressed by the result that he circled on the computer printout reading what it was and then wrote wow beside it, thus it, earning the wow signal. Um, the entire signal sequence lasted for the full 72-second window during which the Big Ear, which was the name of the telescope at Ohio State, um, was able to observe it, but has not been detected since. Wow. Yeah. Um, so many hypotheses have been advanced on the origin of the admission. Uh, one of the things I really was thought about there is, you know, uh, maybe... Uh, the poltergeist beamed down. May well, like Howard the Duck, like yeah. Came. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Um. All right, but yeah, I mean, you you have always speculated that you know, what if ghosts aren't or poltergeists aren't poltergeists, but are in fact an alien with cloaking technology? Yeah, camouflage. Well, and, it, and when I, I will do for the YouTube folks, for the folks who go out and listen to this episode on YouTube, um. When I talk through each one of these, each one of these uh, sightings, I'll uh, pop a marker on a Google Earth map so that you all can see exactly where these things are mm-hmm. and when they take place and where they take place. And a lot of these sightings around the August time period are starting to narrow in on the general area of where the poltergeist, uh, info haunting poltergeist wow. actually took place. Um, so it's almost like they were searching for the right, the right you know environment or yeah whatever for their experiment where can we find some teenage girls that are going through crap at the time (laughs) we need we need some energy here right (laughs) um so next up on august 28th in windermere cumbria england uh an on-duty police officer um, in McKenzie, observed two very bright horizontal lights in the vicinity of Langdale Pike that moved towards him and grew brighter. 
he ruled out any type of aircraft. At the same time, uh, John McMullen also spotted the UFO from his location whilst walking through Keswick with three other officers. He described the object as being a hang glider or diamond shaped uh, at uh, midnight. Um, so zero zero twenty hours, James throw here and John Fiswick uh, also reported seeing the object from their position at the fall barrel park caravan site on the shores of Lake Windermere. Mm. Uh, other unnamed officers were also present at the location and saw the object. So quite a few police officers saw this, you know, triangular or diamond shaped object um, kind of moving around in the sky. And again, this is uh, pretty close to uh, where it all kind of, where the infield haunt, the you know, poultry guy started. Excuse me. Um, as the object approached them, he pulled the car over to have a better look. Despite their efforts, they could not make out a distinct shape of the object. All they could make out was two extremely bright lights attached to it, and there was a faint purring noise. Okay, you guys can wake up now. Yeah. (laughs) Also sounds like a Model T um, associated with it. Um, uh, Later, uh, about five minutes later, a colleague spotted the object heading in the direction of Buttermere. Me, there it is. It was traveling at a low altitude over the surrounding fields. Um, at around the same time, uh, another officer, David Wild, spotted the UFO while on foot patrol. Um, Ray Rig Road at Bonus. Bonus, um, he described it as a kite shaped and that it was very large structured craft. Five minutes after that. Uh, a number of civilian witnesses also spotted the object at the same time following a police radio request for officer sightings to further office officers, Merkel and Jones also could be a law firm observed <laughs> the same UFO from their position at Skelwith bridge. They described the objects as being kite shaped as they watched it go out to sea over Morecambe Bay. So, 17 officers in all. Wow, that's crazy. Yet we don't have, you know, legit people that see these things. Right. 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 Um, so some a little like less specific uh, dates. So fall of 97. 77. Sorry, 77. Thank you. Um, at 520 p.m., the policewoman noticed a curious silent object estimated to be as large as four inch plate held at arm's length at no more than 300 feet wide a conventional plane was immediately ruled out by the witness who had been fully trained in aircraft recognition in the royal observer corps she felt no fear and on impulse waved at the object which then came closer Hmm. it seemed to be of a light greenish gray metal with a moderately reflective surface. On top of the dome protruded a blue-green light, and underneath the object could be seen a very dense black circular section. At its closest approach, the object was estimated to be no further than 50 feet away. Wow. Uh, Late October 1977... 
Salisbury Plain, Wiltshire, England. A uniform officer observed a UFO at an altitude of only 500 to 700 feet above the plane. He described it as being oblong with a rounded top and a flat bottom. The object was seen to travel at very slow speed across the landscape. Um, it was seen by only one officer. He said, flat bottom girls, you make the rocking world go round. Uh, November 26, 1977. This one I found very interesting. And I have never heard of this ever before, but after finding it, it like for weeks after it popped up in all of my like social feeds and everything. Um, November 26, 1977. A radio broadcast from space from Vrilon of the Ashtar Galactic Command. Oh, Ashtar. I know Ashtar. (laughs) And yeah, I I know this. So just after 5 p.m. on November 26, 1977, unsuspecting viewers in England who tuned in to the nightly news experienced a southern television broadcast interruption by a voice from space. To this day, no one knows for certain who was behind the interruption. And there are so many channelers psychics that are out there that claim to channel ashtar like so there you can go in and google it which i did mm -hmm. and you can find supposed recordings of it but i i don't think anybody actually got a recording of it in 1977 and, and they're really just trying to recreate what was said somebody wrote down at one point in time what they think the message was and that people have just recreated these Mm. audio recordings over the years gotcha um there is apparently at this around this time there was a threat made to um the broadcasting station uh, something about um uh what's it called when you suppress people from from speaking or I can't think of what it's called the freedom of speech well but it's suppression of that so anyways that broadcast station had got something about not letting people not getting the word out about something that was going on and somebody thinks that basically someone hacked the feed and you talk about a whole episode we could do is on interrupted broadcasts like there's some crazy stuff that's out there stories and then actual recordings and, and things like that some of them are really spooky so um just a couple of uh so that's that's all my detailed report here's a couple of, of summarizations so from january 1977 until august 1977 there are 12 ufo sightings with four humanoid sightings right from august 1977 some around the start of the info haunting until december 1977 there were three three ufo sightings interesting and these are just what's reported right but i mean it really does seem like you know if you were looking at it as like a they're looking for something they found it they found it and so then the sightings after that are like you know um reports on how progress is going you know yeah are you able to terrorize this family yes <laughs> we opened several doors Mark calling arson <laughs> we, we were able to levitate the bed jerry hurt his back <laughs> so yeah it's interesting um oh continue on it before i ask my question 
Uh, no, that's all. So I, I will say, though, that um, I didn't write this down, but I do remember it from doing the research. Um, all, almost all of the sightings that returned to Wales are, are well, let, me think, let me rephrase this. Almost all of the, like there will be sightings in Wales and there will be sightings inland and then there will be sightings in Wales and then, and then sightings. It's almost like they were returning back mm-hmm. and Wales is, you know, Wales as a section is all, almost all coastline. Right. And there is a rather large power plant in Wales. Mm-hmm. So um, if they were going to return into the sea or to, you know, charge up or whatever the case may be. So, yep. and we had a ferry sighting. Yep. Um, it's, it's tough because Sasquatch Bigfoot type sightings weren't as recorded no. back then. And they're um, not really, I mean, I, I even just, even today, there's just not a lot of Sasquatch recordings in the UK. Like I, to our, to our, you know, UK listeners, what are your cryptids, right? Because maybe, maybe it's you, like Hearn the Hunter. <laughs> maybe you call them other things instead of Sasquatch or Bigfoot. Yeah, but, Nessie. But I, well, I mean, I mean, yeah. Do but, do you call a Sasquatch something else? Right. You know, do you call it Harry Man of the Woods? Right. Because if so, then we need to um, Harry we Man read of the that Woods. one um, years ago. It was a um, uh, spooky news article about a huge sighting in England that we had read about a, uh, a Bigfoot sighting. Uh, it was a long time ago, though. But. Yeah, but, you know, and it may have been pre-77 or post-77. It just it was, yeah, it was post. It was recent. Yeah, but, I mean, you know, is there are there other sightings uh, of that kind of stuff? What I have a feeling that they are probably called by more localized terminology. Sure, like the Lincolnshire Man, you know, yeah, or, or something. Or the Lincolnshire know. Phantom. or Right, I mean, with the Hounds of Baskerville, Right. Would we call them dogmen? Right. You know? Would we call them dogmen? Um, so, yeah, any UK listeners that are out there, let us know if you guys, uh, what are your localized cryptids, monsters, sightings, things like that around where you're at. Also, if you know of any other sightings that we missed that fit within this convergence, a UFO sighting, a cryptid sighting, some sort of magical working, yeah. um, uh, anything like that, any some other sort of any crazy other... Uh, mass bird extinction, yeah, right. anything that happened let us know i mean we are collecting these uh you know for a future project and so we would love to add to this research so just because we've shared this with you today doesn't mean we're done looking at uh Um, enfield and the surrounding time you know from a from a worldwide perspective we uh the u.s detonated as well as russia detonated quite a few nuclear bombs around Mm -hmm. you know in the year of 1977 um and i reached out to um to our, our good friend um uh, Mr. Alan Greenfield mm-hmm. to see if he was aware of any significant major, you know, magical workings that may have happened around this time. Um, and he said, you know, he said there probably was that, that, you know, because they happen all the time and people don't. Well, and like I had told you earlier, seventies was a big ramp up of, of magic working right. church of Satan, things like that, which all led to the satanic panic of right. the eighties. Um, but there was a lot of uh, black magic occult stuff going yeah. on at the time. He did. He did share though that he did one of his larger, one of his largest uh, rituals was in um, fall of 1977. So. Mm. Interesting. So yeah. Um, so uh, I had two questions because uh, one we know um, 
that we looked into the year before and the year after, and there was nowhere near as many sightings of things uh, as it was that year. Right. A uh, huge UFO flap and humanoid flap. Um, but the other thing that I was asking about is had you looked into ley lines and how those correspond uh, with these areas? I did. And so, in fact, when for those who watch the YouTube version, you'll see the Google Maps when I actually have ley lines overlaid. Mm. Um, and so you'll see in respect to ley lines where these sightings are. And so that's one of the correlations I look for because I have a you know a theory we've talked about before that ley lines serve as some sort of like a super highway for these craft to travel on uh, or maybe even navigate by, right? Um, is Instead of using a compass, because our poles tend to shift, maybe ley lines are more static. Right. Um, and so um, they there are ley lines near or that cross through uh, a lot of the different areas. And, and I did a lot of research into kind of um, uh, ley lines and how far. So when you see a line, a ley line on a map, uh, the general acceptance that I've been able to find across other researchers and people who've looked into ley lines is that uh, 30 miles on either side or, you know, I guess, you know, radius around um, a ley line is affected by the right. ley line. And so um, when you look at that and you look at a lot of these different uh, different sightings and occurrences, they're well within the scope of, yeah. you know, being affected or related to a ley line. Yeah. I mean, one of the most popular ley lines obviously goes directly through Stonehenge. Right. Of course. So, I mean, you know that um, and in fact, there's actually quite a few ley line convergences, for lack of a different term, that happen in and around England in Europe in general. Yeah. So for sure. Um, so that's uh, what I've collected so far on what we'll call the infield convergence. Mm -hmm. uh, but like you say, we're going to continue to look for new things. Um, I, I think in having that more um, uh, colloquial, you know, a appropriate terminology for what what people call things in the UK. You know, for me as a as an American, I I didn't I didn't know or think to look for specific things other than fairies and pixies you know those, those right. i know i know come from that area but if there are other things that you all call or name or have seen you know, like we have you know all kinds of the, the the loveland frog which is named because it was seen near loveland ohio yeah right? so <laughs> clawed um, beast of the ohio yeah, right. because it was in the ohio right. so I, I would imagine there are probably similar type things uh, in the uk kentucky goblins that's a really big one i would have never called aliens kentucky goblins right so um, I'm sure that there are, are entities or sightings. Well, not only that, yeah, like what else was there? Was there any, you know, uh, one thing, you know, we'll continue our research is looking. Were there possessions that happened at the time? Was there exorcisms? Were there other hauntings uh, that made the news or just yeah. were generally happening around that time? But Enfield got all the press. I mean, I'm going to tell you that it's um, when you're Googling, like if you Google ghost haunting england 1977 the first three pages are all infilled yeah so it, it's it's really hard like you say it's gotten all the press and especially that there was a movie right and just, it's not like we can look up you know british newspapers in the microfiche because we're not there so right <laughs> i mean so yeah anybody that that is over there that you know has the time or has the resources or just has the knowledge uh or wants to point us to a book maybe there's some collective book that somebody put together. even an out of print book i mean we'll yeah. find it on thrift book or abe's books yeah. or ebay uh like i've got that um that book from that uh bishop guy from the 1600s i haven't looked through mm -hmm. yet it's all about like 
talking about fairies and lore and stuff of the 1600s and mm-hmm. so on. So obviously that was in 1977. It might be 1677, but <laughs> um, but you know one of the things that you know we 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 hope to be able to get to is is by gathering all this data around all these kind of convergences you know ultimate goal for me and we've talked about it is to be able to gather enough information enough data to be able to predict right where a convergence may happen and so i don't care if you if you got newspaper clippings from 1957 where this thing happened again in the you know england uk uh, infield area send those to us because that that bolsters a convergence for 1957 and right it could be a 20 year and 20 yeah right you know or some some other type of situation that happens. So yeah, I mean, I want give me all the data. I want all the data. Right, and not only predicting it, but finding out. Like we've always said, why is it all converging? Yeah. How is it all connected? What is it all? What does it all mean? Yeah. But I mean, you know, think about it. We right now, we go out and investigate things after they've happened. Mm-hmm. Imagine if you could assemble a team of scientists and say, "Hey, something's going to happen in this place within the next three days," and have everybody standing by ready to record it. I mean, imagine what kind of breakthroughs we would yeah. make. So that's fascinating, man. And it, it does. It, it, it makes you want to go because, I mean, UFOs were a hot topic back then. You know, I'd love to see what kind of uh, books that were out there. Uh, I would love to find that information because, you know, we don't get as many books from England out here. It's not as easy for us to yeah. find. So bottom line. Uh, I, I know we've uh, we're doing well in the charts in Sweden, in Germany, <laughs> uh, in Hong Kong, um, in a lot of the other, other European countries. So I'll ask all in of you. Hong Kong. I mean that European country. Oh, I mean, other, but other. <laughs> I know, I know what you mean. I'm just giving um, you heck. But I'll ask everyone who's who's a listener if you have uh, citing details or you know anything like that, please pass it along to us. I I am I am forming a, a database. My wife's going to help me manage it. And I'm going to collect and store all this data to try to come up with, you know, patterns or uh, sequences that will really help us kind of further the science of these convergences. So, again, our, our, our email address, if you want to send us any of this stuff, is contact uh, at theconvergenceenigma.com. Um, or you can also go to our website, uh, theconvergenceenigma.com. And um, click on report a sighting, and you can also fill that out, and that comes to us as well. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I would appreciate any anything that anybody has to, to offer. Right, which includes support. If you guys want to support us to help us with our research, to help us get access uh, to things that we don't have access to because of money or things like that, there's multiple ways to do so. Um, but one of the biggest ways is just simply going to our web store, um, going to the convergenceenigma.com slash store. There you can get t-shirts, stickers, uh, all kinds of stuff. And they do ship to uh, Europe and Hong yep. Kong, my favorite European yeah, country. Yep. Um, you got, <laughs> you know, that's the, the best and easiest way to support us. Yep. And, um, you know, you, I really, you know, you all support us enough by listening, but I really, you know, we've got a brand new t-shirt design out in the store. Uh, Steph had put together mm-hmm. based on a, an idea that we had coming back from from the MUFON symposium that really I think uh, depicts the convergence enigma yep. and all that we're trying to say that it is. And so, you know, jump out there and grab you a shirt. We really appreciate it. Yep. So, Show your support. Yeah. Wear it. Take a picture. Post it on social media. Oh yeah, dude. <laughs> we definitely love that, man. Play so, and tag us. We love being tagged. Um, um, tag so, your it. <laughs> yeah, in the last two minutes uh, of our show, 
I wanted to say that um, uh, we haven't done Creepy Ketchup in a while, and I'm not doing a full, an official segment here, but I think both of us have had quite a bit of activity happening. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen a lot of uh, shadow people and such in my house. You've had some stuff happen. Yeah, you. so if you're, you're missing Creepy Ketchup and stuff like that, pay attention because Astral Stew, our other YouTube offering and, and podcast that we do with Santosh, David, uh, we're going to be doing some Creepy Ketchup on there. Uh, and some stuff like that. So make sure to tune into uh, Astral Stew. I don't know when our next episode's coming out because it's been a crazy couple of months, yeah. um, but probably soon. <laughs> so, but be on the lookout for that. Creepy Ketchup is coming back uh, on Astral Stew. Um, but other than that, we love you guys. Thank you guys for everything that you do. We couldn't do this without you. Uh, but we're going to go ahead and get out of here unless you got anything else to nope. say. I like that you uh, baited them with a little shadow people action to get them over to Astral Stew, yep. um, which, of course, you know, you guys can just go to our YouTube page, youtube.com slash Fearscape Media and find the playlist for Astral Stew. Yep. Uh, it's a lot of fun. And it, it is it is not PG-13. It is, nope. <laughs> it is yep. rated R and it is very adult but it's a lot of fun for us and santosh is an absolute blast and he's just so smart uh but thank you guys so much for tuning in to the convergence enigma with josh and stefan this has been stefan with a reminder to keep your eyes to the skies and this has been josh the truth is now and remember folks keep questioning keep searching good night everybody good night